0: <laughs> I was about to say we have a wonderful celebrity with us who's celebrating a birthday, and we, let's give him a round of applause. Happy birthday, Pastor Ashwin. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, everyone. Uh, greetings to all of you. I want to welcome all of us at Center Street Church, those of us here at Center Campus, as well as those uh, joining us from our campus in Beerspaugh, Bridgeland, Airdrie, and South Calgary. And I also want to welcome our online viewers as well. We are in a sermon series called Fruitful, and we are looking at the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians chapter 5. The goal of the Christian life is to become more like Jesus. All Christian believers are in this journey. And at the end of the journey... The Bible promises that we will be fully conformed to the image of Christ. But we don't have to wait till the end. The good news is the work begins the day we give our lives to Jesus, and that is the reason we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, to make us more like Jesus. Now, the Holy Spirit's primary work is to shape us and mold us so our character resembles that of Christ. And this character transformation, it does not happen overnight. It is a work of a lifetime. And in this sermon series, uh, we are looking at uh, the characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. Qualities that Jesus embodied in his own life. At uh, the past three weeks, we've looked at love, joy, and Peace. And all three are attractive qualities. After all, who doesn't want to be more loving and joyful and resonate with peace? But the quality that I'm going to talk about today is not so popular. I don't think most of us in our fast-paced world are drawn to this trait. It's almost seen as a weakness, not a virtue. But to become more like Jesus, we need to grow even in this area of our life, and I'm talking about patience. We all have heard the prayer, Lord, make me more patient and do it now. Some people think uh, we should not pray for patience, but I would encourage all of us to pray for patience, and when you pray for it, be prepared for your prayer to be answered. And the way God will answer our prayers, and uh, this is why some of us are hesitant to pray for this, God will answer by putting you in an inconvenient situation. And there is no other way we will grow in this area, no other way to develop this virtue in our life. The Greek word for patience has the connotation of being long-tempered, the opposite of being short-tempered or having a short fuse. Repeatedly in the Old Testament, God is presented as slow to anger, So patience is one of the prime attributes of God. And when we are patient, we are reflecting the character of God to others around us. Patience is the willingness to endure and not quickly retaliate at circumstances that are unfavorable to us. And when we are patient with people, we are willing to put up with them, even though the easiest option would be to cut them off. Now, as we've been doing in this series, we will trace this character trait in the life of Jesus and then try to apply it to our lives today. Before we do that, I would like to read the scripture passage together and pray. So if you're physically able, I would invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's word from Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Would you pray with me? Lord, it is our deep desire to become more like Jesus. And thank you for giving us the gift of your Holy Spirit active in us to shape and mold us so we become more like Jesus. So we pray today, Lord, that your Spirit will be active as we hear these truths from your Word, that the virtue of patience will develop in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit will ripen in us, that will impact our witness to the world around us as Christians. So we give this time to you. Speak to us in the power of your spirit. We pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. You know you're impatient when you call customer service and you resent hearing the phrase, thank you for your patience. You know you're impatient when you're waiting in a queue and your body language communicates to everybody around you that you're ticked off. You know you are impatient when you don't let others finish the sentence, but you interrupt them. You know you're impatient when the checkout lane for 10 items or less and the person ahead of you has 12 items in their cart and you're offended at them. Well, you know you're impatient when you feel slow drivers should be stripped of their license. (laughs) Well, the truth is, all of us who live in the 21st century in an urban context need to grow in this area. And when you study cultures, there are broadly two kinds of societies. There's a time-oriented society, and then we have the event-oriented society. And as you can tell, in a time-oriented society, everything happens on time. But in an event-oriented society, an event will begin when people show up. When my wife and I attended a wedding in northern India, we went right on time, the time that was printed on the invitation card. But when we arrived, we realized we were the first guests to show up. And the decorating crew had just about arrived and started the work of decorating the room. And I'm not kidding. When the bride and groom finally arrived, they were late for almost three hours. Well, living the first part of my life in an event-oriented society comes with a perk. It taught me patience. But those of us who live in a time-oriented society, who are used to everything on schedule struggle to come to terms with God's timing. We find God to be too slow. His timetable is different from ours. His promises don't always come to pass instantly. And we who live in a time-oriented society need to learn patience is an indispensable quality of the spiritual life. From the life of Jesus, I want to show us two broad areas where Jesus exercised patience. And these areas offer offer an important application for us. First of all, Jesus demonstrates patience with God's timing. And secondly, Jesus demonstrates patience in dealing with people. We need to reflect these two areas of patience to cultivate this fruit in our life. So let's first talk about with God's timing. Of the 89 chapters in the four Gospels, only four chapters give us a glimpse of the life of Jesus before his public ministry. So that is the first 30 years of his life. We have 85 chapters zooming in on the final three years of Jesus' life which are action-packed, but we have limited information on his childhood, his teenage years, and his adolescence. And reflect for a moment on these hidden formational years of Jesus' life. Alicia Britt Cole wrote a phenomenal Christian book called Anonymous. In this book she claims, only 10% of Jesus' life is visible through the writings of the Bible. Over 90% of his life is submerged in the unseen. However, these hidden years played a pivotal role in Jesus living out an eternally fruitful life. Now, Alicia Cole raises a valid point. When we talk about becoming more like Jesus, we skip his anonymous years. We're only talking about the time when the spotlight was on Jesus, when we see Jesus in action. And our desire to become more like Jesus seems to have these exemption clauses. We wanna become like Jesus, but we don't want the obscurity. We don't want the wilderness experience where Jesus is tested. We don't want the cost of discipleship and rejection. And we don't want the agony of suffering and dying on a cross. But the way to embrace the character and the authority of Jesus is by walking in his steps and embracing all areas of his life. And this calls for patience. In John chapter one, we have this fascinating conversation between Philip and Nathaniel. Look at what the text says in John 1, verses 45 and 46. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. Small and insignificant. Insignificant. That was Nazareth where Jesus spent the first 30 years of his life. And Nathaniel's reaction says it all. Nazareth, can anything good come out of this place? It should be Bethlehem, the city of David. Or how about Jerusalem, the holy city that has the temple? But who cared about Nazareth? And Nazareth is so inconsequential that It is not even mentioned once in the Old Testament. Yet this was the place Jesus would spend the majority of his life. Jesus was not a celebrated boy raised in a royal family with a promising future given to him on a silver platter. In fact, Jesus had a delayed destiny. Day after day, Month after month, year after year, Jesus lived a normal life in this obscure little town. And for all the potential that Jesus had, he wasn't being recognized or noticed for the first 30 years of his life. And in all of this, you don't ever get the feeling Jesus was restless. Jesus fully trusted in God's timetable for his life. And even when the Gospels finally put the spotlight on Jesus, what do we see? Jesus is not starting with a bang saying, ah, finally my time has come, let me prove myself to the world. No, we are introduced to Jesus through his baptism. We find this account in Matthew chapter three, verses 13 to 15. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Now let me ask you, Have you ever wondered why Jesus needed to be baptized? He's perfect, sinless. And baptism is a visible sign of repentance from sin. It is how we communicate our old life is gone and a new life has come. Now, why should the perfect son of God engage in an activity reserved only for sinners? Through his baptism, Jesus was fully identifying with us, taking our place as the new representative, our role model. And there is such rich theological significance in the sinless Son of God identifying with a sinful humanity. But those who were standing by the Jordan River that day had no clue. Uh, They thought... Here's another person repenting and getting baptized. Other than John, almost everybody in that place thought of Jesus as a repentant sinner. Talk about being patient with God's plan for his destiny to unfold. Jesus did not force things, take matters into his own hands, jump the gun, but he waited patiently for God to act. In the wedding in Cana, when they run out of wine, Mary, his mother, comes to Jesus with a request for help. John chapter 2, verses 1 to 4 records this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Women, why do you invite me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. See, Jesus waited patiently for the hour, the time, when he would reveal his identity to the world. And until that appointed time, when that hour would come, Jesus remained behind the scenes, away from the spotlight, out of all publicity. Let me tell you, that is not an easy thing to do. We today are prayed out of this philosophy make your life count. Unless you make things happen, nothing will change. So grab it, make the move, and seize the day. And we who are sold out to this philosophy of life need to take a step back and learn what it means to. Wait for God to make the first move. That is so countercultural. All through the Bible, we find the warning not to take the matter into our own hands, for it will result in turmoil. Let me give you the secret to waiting. Jesus had this incredible confidence that he was not going to miss out on God's plans for his life. His job was to be faithful, and it was God's prerogative to unfold his purposes. Now keep this in mind, waiting doesn't mean being passive. Waiting means you are faithful where you're planted. The Christian life is about following God's timing. And as you are faithful, I can assure you this, you will not miss out on God's best for your life. For what does the Bible say? In His time, He makes all things beautiful. And therein is a lesson in patience. Don't manipulate your situation, don't maneuver, don't take it upon yourself. Trust God patiently. Just like Jesus, we need to be patient with our circumstances. As much as we want the difficult circumstances of our life to go away or disappear, they are the ones that teach us vital spiritual lessons that we will learn no other way. Ever since this pandemic started, in our prayer times as a family, we've been praying that God will intervene and put an end to this virus. So our kids have been regularly praying, Lord, make the coronavirus to go away. And that is a good prayer to pray. But as I was preparing this sermon, I was reflecting on it, and I felt what would be a better prayer is, Lord, cause the coronavirus to go away, but while it is here, help me to learn spiritual lessons that will make me a better Christian. Now, it is one thing to be patient with God's timing. It's another to be patient with difficult people. Jesus exemplifies this as well for us. He's patient with difficult people, and his patience usually pays off. There were numerous instances in his life when Jesus' patience was being tested by the people around him. Jesus was being tested by the fickleness of the crowd. He feeds the 5,000, and you would think they will all receive this amazing spiritual insight that one greater than Moses is here in their midst. But that was in their response. What do we see? John chapter six, verse 15 says, Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Now after witnessing one miracle after another, the crowd still didn't get it. But there will come a time when the crowds will understand the truth about Jesus. They'll gather together to worship him in large numbers. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 of them will be baptized in a single day. Jesus' patience with the crowd pays off. Jesus' own family tested his patience. You would think growing up with Jesus, they will be the first ones to understand the truth about his identity. But that is not the case. Look at what this passage says in John chapter 7, verses 2 to 5. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Do you have unbelieving family members and friends who don't support your decision to follow Jesus? Do they ridicule you or mock you for your faith? Be encouraged to know that Jesus had to go through the same challenge. And yet Jesus remained patient with his family even when they misunderstood him and spoke such sarcastic words that we just read. And years later, what do we see? Jesus' own family comes to believe in him and they take an active role in the early church. Once again, Jesus did not write them off and his patience is being rewarded. Among all people who tested Jesus' patience, it was his own disciples. They repeatedly demonstrate a a lack of understanding and spiritual maturity. They don't seem to get his parables. They still grapple with his identity. They fight between themselves saying, who is the greatest among us? And Jesus was patient in his dealings with his disciples. He didn't cut them off. And what do we see? One day, these very disciples will mature in their faith, will stand up for the gospel and be prepared to even give their lives for the cause of Christ. How about you? Do you dismiss people too quickly? Think about this. If God had not been patient with you, you will not be where you are today. And it is the same patience that we have received from God that we are called to exercise in our dealings with difficult people. And that response may, in turn, lead to their transformation. One of the powerful passages in the Bible that challenges us to follow the model of Jesus' patience is First Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 23. Hear these words. To this you were called. Patience is about long suffering, being long-tempered, the opposite of having a short fuse. What it means is you are willing to put up longer with adverse circumstances and difficult people. Jesus is at his most vulnerable moment hanging on a cross, experiencing excruciating physical pain and agony. And add to all of this, he faces the hostility of people standing around him. Some want him to come down from the cross and display his superpowers. Others are just shaking their heads saying, he saved so many people himself, he cannot save. And when Jesus was being provoked by people, ridiculed and insulted, he didn't snap at them. He did not retaliate. He didn't threaten them back. The supreme patience of Jesus was demonstrated on the cross. Jesus did not take revenge, but entrusted everything to the God who judges justly. And in doing so, Jesus sets an example for us. And the apostle Peter says, we ought to walk in the same manner in his steps. So what would it be like to be this patient with those who oppose us? What would it be like to demonstrate patience when we are being criticized unfairly? In the last year and a half, we have blamed every problem on COVID. But I feel the pandemic has merely lifted the lid and showed to us the problems that we've been having all along. It has exposed those underlying, deep-rooted issues that have been lurking inside of us for a long time. For instance, during the pandemic, marital problems and domestic violence have increased significantly. And it is easy to blame the pandemic for all of this, but all that it has done is Expose the sinfulness of human hearts and how fragile are our relationships with people. And if there's anything this pandemic has shown us Christians, it is how impatient we are in our dealings with one another. It has revealed to us, the body of Christ, a huge area of growth. Some Christians are boisterous in sharing their opinions and when someone disagrees, we're quick to pounce on them. Now I've been watching debates on social media between Christians during this pandemic and it appears to me we are fighting the wrong battles. The battle of opinions and views and who's correct. And we have clearly forgotten that there is an enemy behind all of this, and the enemy is waging a war against our witness as a Christian community. You know, let's not forget our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and forces of darkness. And rather than fighting the enemy and pushing back these forces of darkness, we are too busy shooting at each other and the enemy is having a heyday. It grieves me that there are people who have left our church because they disagree with our position on this pandemic. There are community groups that are struggling so much because of varying opinions within the group, not knowing how to continue moving forward. I know families that are being torn apart because they have strongly opinionated people who are causing rift in the family. Before we argue and fight and talk about who is right, listen to these words from the Apostle Paul on how we are to conduct ourselves as Christ followers. Ephesians chapter four verses one to three. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We need unity in the church now more than ever. And it will start with a resurgence in patience when we learn to bear with one another in love. That is the fruit of the Spirit being lived out. We need patience in all of our relationships. Not a short fuse, but a long fuse. In our marriages, in our parenting, in our workplace, in the conversations we have with neighbors, and especially in our witness to those who are not yet followers of Christ. The more patient we are with people, the more we are demonstrating the heart of Jesus to the world. Let me close with this. An oyster is not much to look at, but it can produce one of the most valuable gems known to humans, Earth's most beautiful natural treasure, the pearl. The pearl is formed through a biological process that takes place within the oyster. And when a foreign substance like a grain of sand or some irritant works its way inside the oyster, its defense mechanism starts to kick in. And the oyster starts secreting a mineral substance to cover and protect itself from the intruder. A layer after layer of this mineral substance is coated over this irritant. And this mineral substance eventually turns into a pearl. And they say it takes years for a pearl to be formed. This is a slow process. And a pearl is found in one out of every 10,000 pearl oysters. So, how is a pearl formed? It's formed through a thoroughly inconvenient process. An irritant makes its way inside the oyster and something good and precious comes out as the end result. And can you see here a great visual illustration of today's teaching on patience? As much as we want the irritants of life, people or circumstances to go away, God uses those very things in the long run to produce something deep and valuable within us. And without those irritants, we will not have the pearl of patience. So rather than hurrying this process or wishing that the irritants will stay away, we need to yield to the Holy Spirit so the beauty of Christ's character will be formed in us through the inconveniences of life. So just like Jesus, let's wait for God's time, timing, for Him to unfold His timetable. And just like Jesus, let's demonstrate the patience of God to the world around us. And that is how we effectively communicate the Gospel.